0: We come to week three of this autumn series on Jubilee Family Values. So if you're making notes, that's your sort of broad heading, Jubilee Family Values. And so far in the series, we have looked week one at our priority of loving God, worshipping Him, loving one another and sort of community life. Last week, we considered uh, the subject of belonging. What does that mean? What does it mean to belong firstly to God himself and then also to one another? And uh, Naomi went on, how can how can Jubilee be a place that you call home? And she had some great uh, illustrations in the suitcases, um, which I did see some of the suitcases around still in the uh, in, in the routine room. You, you've got them in there as well. Um, but maybe... If you're looking into us, you think, "I wonder if, if if Jubilee might be a place to call home." Might be to use the phrase from last week, a place to unpack your suitcase. So, let's put that one out there once again. So, that was week one and two. Week three—that's today. If you've been counting and following, we're going to look at the subject of mission. Okay, we're looking at the subject of mission, and uh, we're going to jump back to Acts chapter two. This is our starting point. We're not going to stay in there necessarily very long, but it's a good starting point before we get into some other detail. So shall we pray together and then we'll see what the Lord has for us. Father, we thank you this morning for your love and your presence and your goodness, your kindness and your closeness. And Lord, we pray now as we consider some of words from Scripture, as we consider what it means to be a church on mission. Lord, we pray that you would speak to us. God, we pray you'd encourage us. We pray you'd challenge us and lead us on. Lord, show us what our part to play is personally in what you're calling to to us as a church. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so at, back in Acts chapter two, the very uh, the very final verse of Acts chapter two is this: "And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved." The Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. So people were being saved, people becoming Christians, uh, and they were being added to this this. Uh, emerging local church on a daily basis. I mean, just think about it for a moment. Have you wondered what it would feel like to be part of that community? So actually, we, we know they were meeting together daily. Uh, but imagine sort of, you know, their main worship service. Maybe if you go one day, and perhaps there's a few days where you don't get to go, or maybe it's a week even uh, and you're back meeting with the church, people have been saved and added every day since you were there last. So there's all these new people around thinking, they weren't here last time I was here. And uh, are they just, oh no, Are oh, they become Christians? Oh, they've been saved. Oh, they're, they're, God, God's added them to us. I wonder what it would have been like to be in that sort of environment. Really exciting, wouldn't it? Not quite knowing what God was going to do next. But you see, Luke doesn't tell us exactly how it happened. See, I read a verse like that. The Lord adds to their number daily those who are being saved. My question is immediately this. How? What, what happened? How, what did it look like? What was it, you know, how did God do that? Well, we're not told exactly. Was the Holy Spirit prompting people to come? Was was that happening? Were the early believers inviting their friends? They're saying, listen, you've got to come and see. You, you must come and see. You've got to become you got to be part of this. Were they inviting their friends? Was the reputation of the of the growing church just getting out there around the city? And it's becoming something, and people wanted to come and see and look for themselves at what was going on. And then in that environment, they met with God. Was it another reason completely? I suspect, I don't know this from Scripture, but I suspect it was a combination of all those things and others. I would imagine. What is clear, and what we are told from Scripture, and what we can be sure about is this. This was a growing church where people were being saved and added on a daily basis. Things were not static. So new people were around all the time. And the church as well was doing its best to reach out and to serve those newly added people and communities. And sometimes we see a little bit later in the book of Acts that caused some tensions. That caused a bit of of grumbling uh, a bit of tension as as the church tried its best to serve a very diverse group of people, very diverse communities coming from different backgrounds with different experiences. And yet they'd all been saved and added into this melting pot called the local church. So we shouldn't read this and think, ah, oh, it was all perfect. It was certainly exciting, <laughs> God was certainly doing something, but it wasn't perfect all the time. There were things they had to work out and to work through. But one thing is certain. The apostles, those early disciples of Jesus, were not keeping the good news of Jesus to themselves. Amen? They really weren't. They were telling everybody that they could find about what Jesus had said and done. And it's just as well, really, because I'm guessing they would have remembered what Jesus said to them that Matthew records for us in Matthew 28. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So Jesus' words to them are pretty clear, weren't they? Go, therefore, or therefore go, depending which version of the scripture you're reading, <laughs> whether it's NIV or ESV. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And don't forget, I'm going to be with you to the very end of the age. So the last thing that Matthew records for us in his gospel is a going message, a going instruction. Disciples are told really clearly, don't keep it to yourselves. Don't hold it in. Don't try and just keep it to to a few small select group of people. No, no. You need to go and make disciples of all nations, of every nation, all peoples. And you know, that wouldn't have been a surprise to them. Jesus had been telling this and modeling it to them for the last three years. It wasn't there was a little bit of a twist at the end of Jesus' earthly ministry. Like, oh, by the way, guys, I forgot to tell you. No, no, no. This follows on consistently from what Jesus had been saying and doing for the previous three years. Every time the disciples wanted to try and keep it to themselves, keep it closed, just maintain that relationship with Jesus for themselves every time they would try to do that every time they would think perhaps oh this is just for the Jewish people never mind those others those, those Gentiles let's just keep it let's just keep it for ourselves every time they would think that Jesus would challenge it and he was constantly encouraging them even instructing them to go to the next town the next village the next group of people, not to settle, but to keep on going and keep on reaching others. I mean, I think about what it would have been like. Imagine yourself as one of the 12. Okay, so you are one of the 12. You can pick your favorite disciple. doesn't matter which one it is. You, you can choose. Maybe you're Peter, you know, the headstrong, straight out there guy. Maybe you're one of the more quiet ones, perhaps. You can choose your favorite disciple. Imagine that you are them. And you're with Jesus. You've got that relationship with him. You've got that time with him. You've got that intimacy with him. There's only a few of you. And yet others start to look in. other crowds start to come. and Jesus is always saying, come on, let's go to the next place, let's go to the next town, the next village, it would have been so easy, and they did at times go. but but why? we've we've got a good thing going on here why do we want to go anywhere else you know there are are occasions in in the Gospels where you, you see people responding to the Gospel, you see people responding to Jesus and the disciples thinking well it's going well here Lord, let's just stay here But Jesus doesn't want to just stay here. He wants to go to the next town, the next village, the next group of people that haven't heard his message yet. Sorry, all that was just one line in my notes. (laughs) If I'm ram. You know... We've talked over the years about loving those who don't know Jesus yet. Reaching those who are far from God. I wonder, how are we doing with that? How are you doing with that individually, personally? How are we doing with that together? The Bible is so clear. There's this going message. There's this instruction to go, to reach out. To go and to make disciples. That's so why we talk about the church plant we're involved in helping in eastern Germany in Or We talk about, that's with Marcus and Leah, we talk about Salmon Abbey in Siem Reap in Cambodia. All these thousands of miles away on the other side of the world in Southeast Asia, seeking to reach people that are far from God. They have literally gone. Well, it's why we talk about it, to support them and pray for them and encourage them. That's why Matt and Louise and, and others moved literally to the next town, yeah. down the road to Burton, to plant a church that might reach new people for Jesus and reach out into that community. You know, it's so, so easy for churches to become inward-looking. It it really is. To be more concerned about themselves rather than anybody else or anything else. And and I guess that can be true of many organizations. I I guess that, that perhaps the church isn't unique in that uh, I guess any organization where there's a group of people, it's very easy, quickly, to become comfortable with what you've got rather than want to reach other people. And whilst it is true, I think, of many organizations and, and any you know, group of people like that, I think it's particularly true of the church. I'm not talking about us particularly, I'm saying the church broadly. But we're part of that. It's much easier to focus on who's in the room, those people we actually know, as opposed to think about and focus on who's not in the room yet, those people we don't yet know. It's much easier to try and make life more comfortable for who we have rather than wanting to reach out which is uncomfortable (laughs) to those that we don't yet know. You know, loving one another is important. Follows straight on from loving God. So it's not that that isn't important but the disciples constantly are being told to go to reach out. So it's really clear that loving one another is not the only thing. It doesn't stop there. It's not love God, love one another, full stop. Job done. It's not what Jesus is saying. Love God, love one another, comma, (laughs) love those who don't know Jesus yet. Or if you prefer the... uh, the biblical version, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. That's what, that's what it says. That's what the book says. So under this morning, how are we doing with some of these things? You know, the loving one another, loving God, loving one another, like we've said, it doesn't end there. Actually, the reaching out then starts there from that place of worship, encountering God, being encouraged, supported by one another, loved by one another, in order that we then might reach out together. There's one leader that used to use this phrase, lost people matter to God. Lost people matter to God. And if they matter to him, they should matter to us too. What I mean by this phrase, lost people, well, people that don't know Jesus yet. That's that's who we're talking about. Do you know, the very reason... We started this church way back when in ancient history. The very reason that God spoke to us about moving here, about planting a new church, the very reason that God called us to Derby in the first place, the very reason we even started meeting together was in order that we might meet, reach new people for Jesus. That we might be playing our part in being obedient to the command of Jesus to go. That's why we exist. We exist for those who aren't here yet. We exist for those who might sit in the empty chairs, who aren't yet part of us, that haven't yet been saved and added. You know, have you ever wondered, why is it that when you become a Christian, when you respond to Jesus, why is it that in that moment, God doesn't just take you to heaven there and then? Job done. Have you thought about that? You know, because that would be great, wouldn't it? You know, you've heard about this this gospel message You've, you've responded to God's love shown to you in Jesus. You said, yes, Lord, I do want to put my trust in you. I want to follow you and uh, make you Lord of my life. And boom, done. Well, Jesus might go, well, come and be with me in heaven right now then. Why doesn't he do that? Why, why doesn't God in that moment go, well, let's just take you now. No challenges, problems to face, just bang, with him. Why doesn't he do that? You know, If trusting in and following Jesus was only about your relationship with him and nothing else, surely that would be the best thing, wouldn't it? Like, okay, you responded, you've accepted me as Lord and Saviour, boom, job done. But he doesn't do that. It's not the only thing. Yes, you make a personal decision to follow Jesus and respond to his love. But as a result of that, he then calls you to make a difference in the world around you. To be light to those who haven't yet seen the light of Jesus. To be light in a dark place. To serve and love those that He's put in your orbits to love those who don't know him yet. Loving those who don't know Jesus yet, introducing others to him and the good news of the gospel. It's why you're here. It's what God has got for you. It's what he signs you up to. Have you ever wondered, have you ever asked this question? you ever thought about what your calling is? It's quite a Christian phrase, isn't it? But let's just bear with it a minute. Have you ever asked that question, Lord, Lord what's my calling? What am I called to? I'm not saying it's a bad question to ask. I've asked that. I'm sure many of you have asked that as well. Lord, what am I called to? What's my, what's my calling in you? What do you want me to be doing? Well, just in case you missed it earlier... Let me take you back to Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, because I think this answers that question. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. What's your calling? What's my calling? It's right there at the end of Matthew 28. We are called, friends, to go and make disciples. Now, I know there's other parts of your life as well. And yes, God may have called you into business. He may have called you uh, into a family life. He may have called you into health care or education or another setting. I know that I'm not dismissing any of those things. But don't miss what Jesus has already said in the book. Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, if you want to write it down. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations. And so, friends, we're all called to go. Every single one of us. Now... It might be to the other side of the world, like Sam and Abbey have gone to Cambodia, to see reap in Cambodia. That's going. It might be to another city or town, like Matt and Lou, and others have gone to Burton. It might be going to your colleague in the office. It might be going to your next-door neighbour in your street. That's going. So the question is not where to, but who to. It's not just where to, it's who to. So the question is, is, are you going? Are we going? I had a bunch of stuff I was going to say on Luke 15. Love Luke 15. We've got the stories, the parables of the, uh, the lost coin, lost sheep, lost son. I've got a whole stack of stuff to say about that. And we're going to miss it because we're, time is sadly against us. But maybe we'll get to it another time. But let me ask you this before we just move on in our remaining time. If we're called to go, if we're called to reach those around us for Jesus, I want to give you a really, really easy way where you can be part of that. You might think, well, Graham, how can I do that? How could I respond? How could I go? What would I need to do? If you're anything like me, you like a practice. So it doesn't just stay in my head as a mental ascent to a spiritual truth but rather it becomes something that I live out, I imbibe, if you like, in everyday life. So, what's a really easy way that you could go in this context? I'll pose it as a question, if I may. When was the last time you invited someone to church? When was the last time you invited somebody to church? Now it may have been for you this week, or might think, oh, I'm not sure. I'm not. Please don't feel condemned. I'm not saying to condemn anyone. I'm just trying to give a really easy, practical way of starting to put this into practice. So, when was the last time you invited somebody to church? And, and as you as you think about that, I want you to imagine for a moment. What jubilee could look like, think about it in your mind, what might we look like if, say, over the course of the next 12 to 18 months, all of us were regularly inviting people to church and some of them came. Now, I'm not expecting that every person you invite will come, but I'm expecting that some will. So what might jubilee look like if many of us had guests with us most weeks? Look at some of the chairs around you that are currently vacant and empty. Think about your friend sitting there next to you, that person from your work, the person from your street or your gym. What might Jubilee look like if over the next year or two, All of us just did that regularly and naturally as a part of our everyday life. You want to know what's great about this venue? Apart from the comfy seats, it's that there's some empty seats. There is some space for you to bring your friends. And as well as physical space, for them to sit next to you, I would suggest that there is some spiritual space for them to find somewhere to call home. What would it look like if all of us were doing that over the next year or two? How might God change us and grow us and do something new in us? Wouldn't that be good? Wouldn't that be great? You know, my youngest regularly tells me currently on a at least daily basis of exactly and precisely how many days there are until Christmas. Now, I I think one of those uh, voice-activated electronic devices helps in this. But on a daily basis, I am now informed how many days there are until Christmas. And it's counting down. Thank you. Bless you. <laughs> but listen, Christmas gives us perhaps one of the best opportunities of the year to invite people to church. We're going to do some carol singing again in Derby in this year. So we'll let you know some dates and details of that. And we're going to invite loads of people. But how about you inviting your street or your office or your friends? Maybe to the carol service or perhaps the Christmas family service. Friends, they are ideal invitation opportunities. I guarantee you it is the easiest service of the year to invite someone to. You know why? Because the media and the uh, and our nation does all the Christmas advertising for us. Nobody can miss the fact that it's Christmas. They might miss the fact of what it's really about. That's an opportunity for a conversation. But like everyone knows, I, I, I don't think there'll be anybody you would speak to in December that if you said to them, can I invite you to our Christmas services at church? Like, Christmas? Is it really Christmas? I did not know. No one told me. Gosh, you have so surprised me. You are not going to get that response. I guarantee you it is the easiest time of the year to invite Somebody. So why not pray and ask God who has he started to work in already? It doesn't need to be a scattergun approach. The scattergun approach is carol singing in the Derby. That's just a lot of fun, a lot of leaflets and invite a whole bunch of people to come. That's okay. We're going to do that. You can be part of it. But I'm talking about You praying and asking God, Lord, who do you want me to invite? The, The prayer is not, do you want me to invite anybody? The prayer is, Lord, who do you want me to invite? Who might I reach out to? Who might I have a conversation with? Who might I give an invitation flyer to? God, who have you started to work in already? Maybe you know the answer to that question. Maybe you've had some spiritual conversations with friends. Maybe you haven't yet. That's okay. Ask God, Lord, who are you working? Whose heart are you working in already? Who should I invite? And then do it. Do it. Ask him to show you. And you know what? By doing it that way around, you get to be part of what God is doing already. Isn't that fun? They want to be part of that, what God is doing already. Listen, before we we wrap up and and time is sadly against us. Part of going, part of reaching out, as well as inviting others in, is us going out in order to be a blessing to the city around us. The places that God has called us to. Grown up here and you've lived here all your life. Maybe there's another reason entirely. Whatever the reason is, however you came here, God calls you to be a blessing here. I love the passage in Jeremiah 29, we don't have time to, to study this morning, where the exiles are told to seek the peace and prosperity of the city that God has carried them to, to pray for it, because if it prospers, they will prosper. God calls them to be a blessing to the city around them, the environment around them, the places he's called them to. And he calls us to do the same. And so as James and Naomi talked about Love Derby earlier in the day coming up just in October, it's not just another thing in the church calendar. It's part of how we can be a blessing to the city around us. It's not the only way, I realize that. But it is... One way. As we were coming out of the COVID pandemic, we were asking the Lord, God, what do you want to change around here? How do you want things to be different? What, what is it that you're saying to us as a church? And over a period of time and prayer and reflection, we felt God lead us into this to make a difference in the city around us. And to have these days where we didn't gather for church here, we gathered for church out there. It's not that church is cancelled and we're doing something else. But rather we're not meeting in the room, we're meeting out in the city in order to love and to serve and to be a blessing to those around us. So it's an outworking of our faith. It's an outworking of the going thing. But rather than having church with drums and guitars... We're having church with a lawnmower, a strimmer, a litter picker, and St. Croft. It's not that we're not meeting, we're absolutely meeting. We're just not meeting in here, we're meeting out there. And that's the reason why every so often we gather, not here, but out there. In order to be a blessing, to love, to serve, to reach to encourage, to bring the gospel in practical ways to those who don't know Jesus yet. And God calls us all to be part of it. And so I want to encourage you, the next Love Derby Day that's coming up, please don't think, oh, it's it's a day just to have a bit of a lie-in and a slow morning. It's as much church as this is. It just looks a bit different as we seek to make a difference in the city that God has called us to. So like you heard earlier, you can sign up today. Next Love Derby Day is on the 15th of October. It is as much worship as what we've done this morning. It's just in a practical way to reach, to love, to serve, and to bless. So as we finish, one of our family values as a church is mission. So whether it's reaching your neighbor, your nation, or an unreached people group on the other side of the world, God calls all of us and every one of us to go. And he wants mission to be right at the very heart of us as a local church, to love him, to love one another, to love those that don't know Jesus yet, to seek to reach out, to be a blessing, to love, serve, connect, and invite. Friends, God's calling us to make a real difference. And in so doing, he's inviting us to be part of what he's doing already. We're, our job is to play catch-up. It's like, Lord, where are you working? Oh, gosh, I, I need to get there then. Lord, where are you Where are you working? Oh, it's there. Right, let's, let's get there then to play catch-up with what he's doing. So I want to encourage you this morning, ask the Holy Spirit who it is that he's begun to work in. Whose heart has he started to soften to the gospel? Who is it that he is preparing to receive your invitation and your conversation, your demonstration of love and grace? You know what? You don't need a whole lot of training what you do need to do is listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit and be willing to step out, to say something, to do something, to be that person who says yes to Jesus. And I'll be honest with you, this is something that I'm learning as well. So how about we all learn that together? And I wonder what God might do as a result. Amen? Amen. Can we pray? Lord Jesus, thank you that you are at work building your church. Thank you that you're building it as much now as you were in the book of Acts. And so we pray this morning that each of us, Lord, would see what it is that you are doing around us, near us, with those that we know. And Lord, help us to play catch-up to be obedient to that prompting of the Holy Spirit. To make that invitation. To ask that question. To offer then to pray. To see how we might be a blessing in a practical way. Lord, we pray you would lead us, you would help us, you would guide us. And Lord, we pray that it will be said of us in days ahead. A Lord added to their number, even daily, those who are being saved. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen? Amen. 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 Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk and come along on any Sunday morning.